Welcome to the podcast. Today, we're talking about more about the lockdowns and businesses having to close. Really wanted to get your thoughts on what is happening in your life uh, if you're out there trying to make all this craziness work for you and your family and your country. Um, we take a bunch of calls from people who, around the nation who are dealing with this and you know how are they trying to figure all of it out. Um, are you going to be more or less productive at home? Will you be working at home after this? Uh, will the country be able to recover from all of this craziness um and is michelle obama going to come out of the woodwork to either be the vp or run for president here at the last second we go into that possibility as well you can go to blaze tv.com slash glenn and use the promo code glenn to save 10 bucks and you can always watch these shows um uh, with your subscription also you'll get all the episodes of this program glenn's tv show and Stu does america my show uh, which is available every night at 8 p.m eastern you can also get that on youtube just go to youtube uh, dot com and search for stew and i'll be the first one there make sure to check out the show and subscribe and this podcast as well as mine subscribe rate and review you know they're great whatever just type something in there with five stars that's all we care about here's the podcast you're listening to the best of the glenn beck program I was not planning on talking about this today, but I am so bothered by it uh, that I that I have to. Um, uh, I had a just a wicked dream last night, um, and it uh, was one of those accusing dreams uh, where I'm, uh, you know, a group of people or whatever are you're like, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? And I don't know if you've ever had one of these. And I don't know if I've ever even had one of these, but it was it was a, a group of of people that were saying, you know, what has to be done, uh, you know, what has to be uh, said and you're not doing it. And I said, well, I'm I'm trying, but, you know, covid and everything else. And uh, I realized how it just this dream just kind of put it into uh, terms. It doesn't have to be anything. It just has to be said and has to be done. So I was planning on meeting with some people today to take care of it. But I am so moved by I have to say this to you today. Um, And it revolves around what we were trying to do at Gettysburg. And because of COVID-19, I don't I don't know exactly what we're going to be doing, but that whole thing with Gettysburg, um, the point of it was, is to call America back to God and make a covenant with God. And uh, that's where it has gotten dicey for all people involved. I mean, there is a there is a uh, state, I think, senator or representative up in Pennsylvania that tried to just get the state of Pennsylvania to reissue the national proclamation that Abraham Lincoln issued uh, right after Gettysburg. And she was called all kinds of names. It was, I mean, it went nowhere. It went nowhere. And it kills me because everything in this proclamation, I think, appeals to us today. 
<clears throat> we tried to get a proclamation through the uh, some of the state houses. We've tried to get this proclamation done by the United States Senate, and it is a non-starter. Like, no one will pick it up. No one will pick it up. And so I believe the American people need to pick it up because I don't care what Washington does. Washington is not us. We are not uh, just our government. We, the people, are in charge. <clears throat> and we, the people, must lead. So I want to tell you what I think needs to be said, and we need to come together as a people and make this covenant and i'll give you more details on what the hell how we're going to do it hopefully by the end of this week but it's not going to be anything grandiose it's just going to be done let me read this proclamation verbatim and I, when i'm reading it i think there's only one uh, one place that needs to be changed really uh and it's two words civil war um you could just add cold to civil war civil cold war but that's the only place that it has a message that is not today so listen to this whereas a joint committee of both houses of congress has waited on the president of the united states and requested him to recommend a day of public humiliation prayer and fasting to be observed by the people of the united states with religious solemnities and offering a fervent supplications to almighty god for the safety and welfare of these states his blessing on our arms and a speedy restoration of peace and whereas it's fit and becoming in all people at all times to acknowledge and revere the supreme government of God, to bow in humble submissions to his chastisements, to confess and deplore their sins and transgressions in the full conviction that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and to pray with all fervency and contrition for the pardon of our past offenses and for a blessing upon our present and perspective action and whereas when our own beloved country once by the blessings of god united prosperous and happy is now afflicted with faction and civil war it is particularly fit for us now to recognize the hand of god in this terrible visitation and in sorrowful remembrance of our own faults and crimes as a nation and individuals to humble ourselves before him and to pray for his mercy and to pray that we may be spared further punishment, though most justly deserved, that our arms may be blessed and made effectual for the reestablishment of law and order and peace throughout the wide extent of our country and that the inestimable boon of civil and religious liberty earned under his guidance and blessing by the labors and sufferings of our fathers may be restored in all of its original excellence. I, therefore, Abraham Lincoln, President of the United States, do appoint the last Thursday in September next as a day of humiliation, prayer, and fasting for all the people of the nation. I do earnestly recommend to all the people, and especially to all the ministers and teachers of religion of all denominations, and to the heads of all families, to observe and keep that day according to their several creeds and modes of worship in all in, in all humility and with all religious solemnity. And to the end, 
that the united prayer of the nation may ascend to the throne of grace and bring down plentiful blessings upon our country. I've set my hand upon the seal, etc., etc., etc. When he made that proclamation, we had lost all but one battle, I think, one or two battles in the Civil War. It was a halfway point. After this proclamation, I think we won every battle except one. I think that we are living in a time where God has blessed us with this coronavirus. He hasn't cursed us. He's blessed us with this coronavirus. It has caused a great deal of pain. But I also believe that it is able to bring us a great deal of happiness and perspective and wisdom. There is a... There is a poll that is out today, and this poll shows an unprecedented increase in self-reported worry. That's what they say. But if you look, if you look at that poll that was released, that worry is down from April. April, uh, the beginning, March and early April, that's when all of us, we were, we were so worried about everything. <clears throat> I want to give you today's poll. March 23rd through April 5th, Gallup took a poll and they said, are you happy? The percentage of Americans that said they were happy was 67%. The percentage of Americans answering that question between April 22nd, uh, 27th and May 10th, this last poll has gone from 67 to 72% Americans that are happy. I'm not seeing that reflected anywhere. And why is it we're happy? I just heard from a, a woman in Florida. She doesn't have anything going her way. And she was still happy. She had hope. She had hope. She had faith. How many of us are worried? 59, <clears throat> 59% back at the beginning of this thing were worried. How many are worried today? 47. It doesn't mean that we're not worried about anything. We got lots of things to worry about. Just means we have it in control. How many of us are bored We're locked up. How many of us are bored? 46% when this thing first began. Down to 41% today. Loneliness is flat, 24 to 24. This has been a great blessing. I think there are many things to be grateful for because of the COVID virus. Yes, I know there is suffering. I know there is pain. I know there has been death. Lots of it. But there is also perspective. There is, there is gratitude for the things that we do have. There is an understanding of what really is important. There is a great awakening of how important our families are versus how important our jobs are. There is a great awakened uh, spirit of What's really important in your life? 
and how much of it is just meaningless. All the things that the world told us we needed to care about. I care about my kids in school right now. And I care that they're not learning what they need to learn. But I'm not concerned because of college. I'm concerned because there are things they have to know to be prepared to be a productive member of society. And for as bad as schools have been, and some schools are great, they were providing that basic service. And now they're missing out on that. And, and how, long will their, how long will their life be delayed or set back if we continue to do this? But I have hope in the future. I don't necessarily have hope that our government's going to fix anything. But I have hope that Americans get it. They get it. They're not seeking power. Nobody's, you know why some of our lives I think we're happier? Is because a lot of people just aren't paying attention to the news anymore. They're paying attention to the COVID news, but they're not paying attention to all the crap that's going back and forth. All the stuff that we, in, in, that we listen to, that we debated, that we talk about all day long. Who said what and what was... Good God, how could anybody be happy listening to all that stuff? None of it means anything. We've been given this opportunity, I think, to recognize how great we have it. To recognize what's really important. And hopefully to recognize, wow, we, we've, we have gone astray and we, like sheep, have gone astray. Each to his own way. And we just need to recognize these certain rights. Because they're not ours, they belong to him. And governments are instituted among men to protect those rights. And our governments all around the country are not protecting those rights. They're going the other way. And that's why the people are upset. That's what the people are worried about. That's what's making people go into the streets. Stop treating me like this is your country and not my country. You don't tell me what to do. You represent me. I don't know how we're going to do it we can't all get together, but we can all come together one way, and I'll be telling you about it sometime later this week, hopefully, because we've got to do it. Because when I'm having dreams about it, when I can't stop thinking about it in the first hour of the show, and I just, I'm just being crushed by it, i got to talk to you about it. I'm, not, I'm a bad liar, and I can't. I, I just I have to say the things that are on my heart and this is on my heart and I urge you I urge you to go to the uh, internet now and just download Abraham Lincoln's proclamation of a day of fasting and I want you to read over it and read over it with your family and tell me tell me where that's out of date tell me where that's controversial tell me why in this proclamation, it says that we have waited on the president to observe this. And so we, the House and the Senate, call on him to observe. And how I can't get anyone in Congress to move. No one will even be brave enough to bring it up.
to present it, let alone vote for it. When there is no vision, the people shall perish. There is a vision, and we're denying that vision. And it's the, 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 it's the vision of our founders set forth in our Declaration of Independence. And that is the vision that made us who we are. That is the vision that made America great. That is the vision that America is hungry for, both left and right. That everyone is equal. And we're born that way. And it's what we do with our life that sets us apart. But we have that right to pursue happiness and stop denying those basic rights to us. We must turn back to him. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. I'm reminded of a story of, and I can't remember his name. Somebody, I mean, Google has it, so somebody can look it up real, real quick. But he was one of the first guys. We, we, you know, the Pony Express didn't go on for very, for very long. And the Pony Express, in the job, you know, flyer, if you will, the, the, the posters, they wanted uh, young orphans because the life expectancy of these Pony Express riders was you know, six months to a year and they would be taking the mail through the most dangerous parts of the country and they just wouldn't stop. They would actually switch horses along the way, grab some water, get back on the, the fresh horse and continue to ride. Well, one of them was like this 10 year old kid. And I can't remember his name now, but he rode and he was just the the kid was fearless he does Pony Express. Then he, uh, uh, I think he fights in the Civil War. Is he fight in the Civil War as a Pony Express rider right around that same time? Then he goes and he applies to fight in World War One. He fights in the Spanish-American War, uh, World War One. Then he applies to fight in World War Two. But he's so old, they're like, dude, you can't. He goes up to Canada. And tries to get into the Canadian uh, uh, military. The the British say, we'll take you. But instead, we decided to put him on the road here to help ra- raise uh, money for war bonds here in the United States. But the guy just wouldn't give up. And those are the stories that used to stir us. You know, I, I was talking to somebody this weekend about a series of books. These there are these great books that were um, written in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and they started to fall out of fashion in the 70s. They were all kids' books, and they all talked about heroes, uh, American heroes and foreign heroes all over the world. And, uh, you know, we were talking about how they were driven by the story. And, yeah, they didn't have all the details, and they didn't have all the bad things in them, etc., etc. So people would say, well, then they're technically wrong. Well, no, because what they were were stories. They were stories to make us understand who we are and who we can be. So, yeah, the new history books, some of them you could say maybe are more accurate, but I wouldn't say that because they're so skewed the other direction and so skewed with lies. This, what, 1619 project with the, with the New York Times is an abomination to history, an absolute abomination to history. 
but they they started doing it slowly. They started, you know, checking all of the boxes on. Well, let's make sure we really focus on all the bad things here as well. Then they just went off the rails and started making things up. But the point of history is not the year. I don't care. 1692, the uh, Columbus uh, sailed the ocean. blue. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care who the 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 commander of the army at Stony Point was in the Revolutionary War. Don't care. Don't care. Now, if I need to know that, I can Google it. If I need to know the date, I'll Google it. The date might mean something if it's connected to something else. Sure. But I need to know the story. I don't care that Stony Point was taken by Mad Anthony Wayne. What I do care about is that he and his men fought and fought and fought. And about one o'clock in the morning, he was shot in the head. And they're like, you got to get out. You got to get off the battlefield. And we now know him as Mad Anthony Wayne said, no, the battle's raging. And they they put a bandage around him. The guy's got a bullet hole in his head and he's got a bandage around him. He continues to fight. They win Stony Point. Now, do you even know about the Battle of Stony Point? It was very important at the time. Do you even know? Do you even care? Here's why I care. Not only did Man Anthony Wayne continue to fight all the way through it, he then sat down and wrote a letter to George Washington and, and said, I have to write, still with the hole bleeding in his head, said, first... I have to write the general and tell him what happened. And he writes a simple note and it just says, dear general, the garrison and the fort are ours, period. Your men fought like men determined to be free. Anthony Wayne. That's the important part. Your men fought like men who are determined to be free. We need to start telling our stories again. We need to start looking for those people. You know, quite honestly, our last caller sounded like a man determined to be free. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. So they're having a hard time now in California getting their arms around uh, the fact that now uh, Silicon Valley is saying that, you know, 50 percent of the workforce in Silicon Valley could stay at home. Fifty percent. And so what is that going to do to property values and not property values for homes, but property values for uh, for businesses? I mean, these gigantic buildings that are now going to be what filled with half of the number of people. And this is happening, they say, overall, the 20% to 40% of the workforce can be remote. So now what does that mean for these companies that have all of these big offices? And what does it mean for homes? You know, does it mean that homes are in really cool places are going to start to be more valuable in places that are in the city and, uh, you know, just in these teeny little neighborhoods because of the commute? Those things are going to go away. I mean, who cares about the commute? If you're one of the lucky 40% that could work from home, would you live where you're living? Yeah, it's interesting because a lot of people, um, one of the big pushes for 
the left over the past many years was to start praising the cities and see how that's actually the way we should be living. Because number one, obviously, mm-hmm. you find out that people in cities tend to vote Democrat a lot more often, but also mm-hmm. that, you know, their environmental concerns and, and all these other things, they say, well, people just get into the cities, then they're not commuting, they're not using as much space and as much resources, as much electricity, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, per capita. And it's funny because now, I mean, you got to believe the suburbs is going to make a nice little, a nice little comeback after this one. If you're, if you're, oh, not only the, not only the suburbs, I think there are going to be places like if you are in San Francisco and you have a house and, and you know, you're, you're used to looking at houses, a regular house being, you know, $2 million, you then go to some place like Texas or Oklahoma or wherever, and you find a great yeah. place and you're like, wait, $250,000 will We'll buy this entire complex. <laughs> you know, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, Charlie Warzel, who is a reporter at BuzzFeed for tech and is now over at the New York Times, you know, big mainstream guy, um, a couple of years ago, moved to Montana in the middle of in Montana mm-hmm. somewhere and now is doing his entire mm-hmm. job from there. And, you know, there's no re- stuff is just as good as it was before. Why not? Why not? Uh, you don't have to be Why in the middle not? of that anymore. And now with pandemic risk and, you know, you never know when another one of these is coming. This is going to destroy cities and areas. Yep. People are going to be terrified yep. of that. Yep. 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 And what does that mean for companies going forward? Good luck if you own any big buildings. This is the Glenn Beck Program.